Hi, Hannah. Hey, Anna. Hey, so we've been talking about our identities as writers for a while now. I think it's time to do our podcast. That's a great idea, but what should we call it? Hmm. How about how about a play on the pen is mightier than the sword? Like the pen is that, that's it. The pen is. The pen is so many things. It's scary, it's honest, it's funny, and the pen lets us explore what it means to be a work in progress. <laughs> and hey, Hana, we are a work in progress. You said it. Let's get started. Okay. So, um, tell me about what, first, do you have a particular prompt in mind that, that you um, were using while you wrote this, or what's sort of the background for um, the piece that you ended up writing? Yeah, so it's, it's a great question. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so, I may have mentioned this at some other point in time, but I've, I've had a new job for about a month and a half. And I am um, in the marketing department, which means I am uh, responsible for coming up with quite a bit of content. And whether that's social media posts, blog posts, other articles, videos, events, whatever it is, I, it's like the most creative job I've ever been in. And it's really quite inspiring and exciting. And also exhausting because I'm using that part of my brain like all the time, and um, hence why it was difficult for me to write a write a horror story, uh, just because I have I have been like really been pushed to work harder on my writing at work, mm-hmm. and this is actually really kind of interesting because for for our project here is that. Um, I'm having like a really steep learning curve at work because not only have I never really particularly been in marketing before, um, I'm also jumping in on a team that's been a cohesive team for at least better part of a year. And um, I'm having to, I'm I'm getting like projects landed in my lap. That's either ones that somebody else was going to do now given to me or hey, you got to write something for this, figure it out. And the issue is that I'm finding is that there's a certain voice for blog posts and there's a certain voice for, um, for these specific blog posts for this, for, for this company. And I've written, I have a blog. I've been writing you know, for years on a blog. However, it's my own blog and I write whatever I want, how I want it. And so suddenly I'm like jumping in to this, this position where there's a specific voice that they're expecting from you. We have to use SEO. We have to like keep them sure. We have to use, you know, images. And I'm like really being pushed to, to um, develop some new skill sets quickly. So I don't lose my job. Yeah. <laughs> and it's been, I've been under a lot of pressure of like thinking I'm a good writer, thinking that like, I have a lot to offer and then like everything I produce is like being slashed and cut or like this isn't what we're looking for this isn't the right voice do some more research and I've been like really kind of like felt kind of thrown under of like I came into this position thinking like I was you know pretty prepared mm-hmm. for for getting this position in the first place and suddenly I'm like I I am being as pushed as much as I would be at school in some ways like if I was going back to school mm-hmm. And 
and, and it's not to say that I hate that it's, it's, it's cool. But then there's this pressure of, if I don't perform well, I will lose my job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's the same pressure uh, at school. <laughs> a little bit of pressure. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so when I first came on my, I have to do once a month blog post on sustainability and I had been given this subject, a different subject to write about. And it wasn't easy. It was about you know, just like these window films on windows. And it's, you know, I, I struggled writing it because like I didn't have all the information and I was doing research on it and like the 1970s like energy crisis and why these like just came out as, you know, a concert like energy saving things. And so like I write it and then the person who does the edits looked at it and it was just like, this isn't bad. It's just, it's just all over the place. And I was like, well, yeah, this is like the first edit because like, I'm not sure where I'm supposed to be going with this. <laughs> like mm-hmm. this is my very first piece. And she's like, I don't want you to freak out with all these reds. Mostly I'm just sh- shuffling it around. And she gave me this really cool idea to think about writing is in to think about your writing piece as a shape. Whether it's a triangle or an upside down triangle, whether it's, um, you know, like what, like introduction, body, conclusion, how is the shape of the story working? And, and, and coming to a piece first with that idea in mind so that where I get hung up on, especially writing things that aren't just a fictional story that I'm making up and I can just feel my way through it. If I have to write something that's more educational or research oriented, I get overwhelmed with, with like what it is that I'm writing about, how I write it succinctly and how I wrap it up for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. I, and this is the issue I always had in college too, was like my brain was all over the place and I, I wasn't like honing it in to something very succinct mm-hmm. and perfect. And it's coming back up again to bite me in the ass that <laughs> I never learned how to deal with that. Um, so long story short is I wrote this, like this blog piece and basically everyone hated it. And it wasn't just because like my writing was bad at all. It was just like, this is the most boring piece. Why did we do this to you? Um, you know, like th- this isn't going to be your first, your first blog piece. And, and um, so my, so I was prompted by my manager who's um, who does really well with coaching. And, and he was just like, I, I need you to write something that you're passionate about. Like, why are you here in the first place? Why are you in sustainability? Why are you in environmental ed? Like, I want you to write something in your voice that is passionate for you and we'll work with that. Mm-hmm. And so I, I was like, okay, I can, I can do that. Cause like, I can write in my voice. That's what I do best. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I asked permission to, so we, our business is right on like some wetlands and there's trails out there. And so I asked permission to like, I need to get outside and like figure this out. And so I did a little writing exercise where I wrote down a bunch of different kind of, you know, ideas or themes. And as I was walking, like, like, what do I want to say? You know, like, this is my first piece to tell the world, like who I am like mm-hmm. who I am in sustainability, who I am in this world of, of nature connection and my passion for nature immersion and why it's important for climate change and why it's important for the survival of our human species, <laughs> you know, like, mm-hmm. so I spent time out there by these ponds where when I worked there before, years before I found otters swimming in and like, 
I've seen eagles take down geese and I've seen skunk and I've tracked fox all in these beautiful wetlands. And I just like basically like asked like what what needs to be said? Like, how can I be a vessel for what I feel is the truer meaning of what my work is and, and what needs to happen? And like what what messages need to be sent out there of like of hope and inspiration and awe. And, and what I came down to was the idea of awakening. And, and what I've been doing for the last 12 years is that what I'm most passionate about is teaching either kids or adults, awakening them to the environment, to, to something that they've never seen before. And that, that, is, that is the essence of what I do because it's not about me teaching them, it's about that person learning through nature on their own. I can, I can be a guide. I can, you know, give some just suggestions, but the point is, is that that person is finding their own connection because that's going to be their personal connection, their personal awakenings to lead them down to whatever vision or path that they need to go down. But more importantly, in terms of sustainability and, and, you know, talking to the world about sustainability is, is how can we continue to awaken people to understand their connection to the environment so that basically we can save ourselves. <laughs> because as a human species, we're kind of on the brink of screwing ourselves over um, because of our, our um, such deep disconnect from our place on this, you know, on this planet and who we are as humans, as caretakers of this planet. Mm -hmm. And so, I wrote a piece that was a bit disjointed before this and brought it to my manager. And he's like, yes, this is, this is exactly what I'm talking about. And think about the shape. Uh -huh. <laughs> and he basically like drew me like an upside down triangle. It was like, you know, you start here and end here. How do you do that? Go. And so um, on Thursday, I left for Baker to get a bed for my dad and on the way over, I was driving basically through the same ecosystem that I was writing the story in. And I knew I needed to stop somewhere by some sagebrush and like rewrite this because I, it was just, it was still too scattered. I needed to hone it in. Like, what am I really trying to say? And honestly, uh, well, so I stopped by the John Day fossil beds, pulled off the road, found a little like tucked away place, took out my computer and rewrote it sitting there with like the crickets cricketing and these beautiful formations of the John Day fossil beds around me. And I plucked a piece of sagebrush that I kept smelling as I was writing this, trying to really get myself into that space of where I was when I had this experience happen to me mm -hmm. two years ago in the Steens Mountains. And I wrote it within like half an hour and I haven't written, I haven't read it since. I, I mean, I'm going to have to go back and do edits, but the crux of this is, Hannah, is that hopefully they're going to like it, number one. And number two, if and when it's published, this will reach 500,000 or more people. Wow. And so I have to do this right. <laughs> well, but it sounds like there are a couple different rights that you need to keep in mind because it's not just um, what's right in terms of the company's identity and its goals and its customer base and business, you know, structure and strategy, but also 
what's right for you as a person. Like you said, this is your introduction to your audience. And so you can't, knowing you, I would find it hard to imagine you just being a mouthpiece for, you know, a, a mouthpiece without putting your own stamp on things. So right. you have to believe in the mission of the company in order to be a good representative of the company. But also you can't just be expected to parrot someone else's lines. You need to you need to take ownership of the material and feel that it reflects who you are, both as a representative of the company and as you yourself, Anna. Yes. Yes. And I, and that's I think that's been my struggle and balance of um, you know, I am I'm taking on this position and this this identity of the company um, that I want to uphold because I highly respect it and want to do a really good job around it. And I see this as an incredible opportunity to to reach more people with with the work and my my vision and my purpose. Mm -hmm. And how do those two marry in a way that that works best for the company but also for the earth and, and and in the end it's not about me um and then that's what i have to really tap into is i have to remove myself from this what what is it that's really need to be said from the earth mm -hmm. around the the idea of climate change around the idea of nature connection and immersion so this is why this piece is a so important and b so challenging. Sure. Do you feel like um, what do I want to say? Um, so when you were talking, you know, at the beginning about um, how challenging it's been, you know, kind of writing in the pre-approved blog style and all of that. Um, it actually reminded me of my first, I guess I would say real job out of college, which was the only job I did in public relations and public mm -hmm. is what I got my bachelor's. <laughs> and, um, one of the most difficult and kind of upsetting things to me was, um, you know, we were communications professionals but I very quickly learned that there was a certain way to write things and a certain way to capture ideas. And really there wasn't a lot of room for doing anything outside of that, even when I didn't think that the established way was the clearest or best way to use language to get the idea across. And that was mm. really frustrating. Um, do you feel like it, it felt limiting personally, but also it was like, no, there is a better way to say this. Why can't I say this in a better way? And it was like, the response was always, no, this is, you know, how, how we do things and we've been doing this longer. So just trust us and do it the way we tell you. Mm -hmm. um, do you, does that play a role at all in sort of the, the experience you've had leading up to re writing this piece? Um, or, you know, how, how did that kind of, um, I guess, clash work? And then um, do you, oh, I just had a question and then it like slipped out of my brain. <laughs> um, do you feel like 
because it, it kind of made me question whether I was actually good at what at presentations mm-hmm. and writing. Mm-hmm. And it really like I would so have appreciated what you have right now, which is the opportunity to find your own voice mm-hmm. in the realm of blogging. So like they recognize that there isn't just one specific way to do it and they want to help you develop what Anna the blogger for, you know, as a representative of the company sounds like and not just make you into the cookie cutter version of a blogger. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> There's a question somewhere. Yeah, yeah. No, I I think I understand where you're going. Um, I think it's a little bit of both. Like when yeah, before I was like taken aside and been like, just write you. Um I was I was starting to freak out. Was like, like, I'm not an idiot. (laughs) Like, I just need some time to like practice this and like read what you've done before but also be like and i i do think that there are better ways like this might not be the only way we can communicate these things uh but i was feeling so overwhelmed by just getting it it right in the first place um that i didn't feel like i was you know i had any room you know any ground to stand on to be like let's change things up you know to make it more sense for me (laughs) so um, I think there is, there definitely is a formula that they use, but I don't think it's as strict as maybe like in your position and, and maybe I'm wrong. I, once again, I've only been doing this for a month and a half and I don't even really know how, how this particular blog that I'm writing right now will fly other than I'm getting, being given permission to do so. But really what mm-hmm. it comes down to is what they like, you know, like what what the branding is what that i'm writing about and does it fit some sort of tone that sounds like them and i so i think mm-hmm. it, that there's there's probably a lot of room for it being adaptable mm-hmm. and i do i mean personally i do want my pieces to sound like me and to to have my flair because i am the sounding piece i am the face you know mm-hmm. it, it is me that is doing this even though i i want to remove myself in a lot of ways it, it is still me and and my work Mm-hmm. And and I do want it to have my stamp because that that's what makes it personable. That's what makes it, that's what my work has always been is that I'm relatable for people to, to so that they can capture what I'm feeling, so they can cap- understand what what I'm trying to show or teach, so that they see it themselves. And so I'm hoping that this is just like my my learning curve here that I will develop this voice that's specific for this company and for this position I'm in. And that I will gain a lot more skills in like blog posting more, you know, conventionally and writing, you know, I'm really, I, it's, it's kind of crazy that like I suddenly landed myself in a job where the biggest, one of the bigger parts of my job is writing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that I have like some coworkers who are really good editors and writers who are coaching me and want to coach me. Mm-hmm. So it's like, holy cow, how did I land this? <laughs> and at the same time, I'm like freaking out that I'm not going to get it. <laughs> sure. Which I think is understandable. I think it's also, you know, one of the things that I enjoy about what you and I are doing through this exercise Um is, you know, I think 
obviously certain voices, certain genres, certain formats may feel more comfortable and may come more easily to us. But I think one of the ways to strengthen yourself as a writer is to practice things that don't feel as comfortable, whether it's a different genre or a different format or a different voice. Mm -hmm. Like that, you know, when you and I are doing it just between the two of us, it's relatively low stakes, right? Like, right, exactly. Yeah. My, I'm trusting that you're not going to be, um, you know, a jerk in, in responding to my uh, <laughs> output. If, if you have critiques and if it, you know, if there's something that you think could be a little bit stronger or it's something I need to work on more, I, I trust that you will tell me that with like love and compassion and support and I will be able to hear it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I appreciate that doing this with you gives us the chance to play with that a little bit and work on the things that are come more not so easily to us. Yeah. And we can get feedback about that. Um, but in a, in a very supportive kind of low stakes way. Yeah, I agree. I I feel like, you know, we could use this format to just tear into each other and be like, you know, be hard asses about like, this grammar is terrible and you need to work on this and push this further. And, and you know, obviously we could do that, but I, I prefer what we are doing is more where we are inspiring each other to create, giving each other a platform to talk about that creation process. Mm-hmm. And, and it, just like any kid, they're not going to want to play or learn if they're, if they're being reprimanded or feel like they're failing every time. Mm-hmm. You know, we want to encourage children to continue to try, to continue to try, you know. And so, like, I feel like what we're doing right now is we're playing. We're playing with writing mm-hmm. and that we are, you know, being sounding boards for each other to to hear, listen to this cool thing. And if there if there is something that comes up, it's like, hey, like, and I feel like that's what we have been doing with with the writing prompts is pushing each other. Mm-hmm. That's where I feel like the the gentle nudges and pushes are coming into play with, like, it sounds like you were challenged by this. Let's play with that. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, so, so just in, in reading um, the piece that you wrote, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I think you are really wonderful at creating a landscape, literally, um, in, you know, out of your imagery. Um, I also love the questions that you, you know, are, are diving into and in, in your internal monologue. You know, at one point you, you bring up um, what it means to be a European transplant in, you know, sitting in land that has historically, if you think of it as belonging to people, has belonged to other people. Um, and so, you know, I appreciate that a lot of the conversations that I have, that I read, you know, about other people having, um, thinking about colonial identity, do play a role here um, and that's integrated into this this greater aspect which I've always appreciated of yours which is just such a you know it's it's clear how um, how deep a connection you feel to the world around you and how intentional you are about appreciating that and cultivating it um, and I really like that comes through so clearly here obviously that's you know, such a central part of this. Um, but, you know, it's not like some 
manifesto um, that is saying this is the only way to do things and you need to listen to me and why aren't you you know more in touch with the nature around you it's such a welcoming um you know and kind of um alluring <laughs> introduction to that idea that we can develop these closer connections with the world around us um and i i like the I guess I might say like the grace that you give yourself and therefore I think the reader um, in, you know, there are a lot of hard questions around our presence on this earth, um, but the process of answering them can also bring about great peace and contentment. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. That's, I guess what I was hoping to get out, <laughs> I was hoping that was coming through. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, it was the challenge I had before this this version was bringing in the existential crisis with the solution, mm -hmm. and I had had it kind of like existential crisis solution, existential crisis solution, and really I needed to be more of a funnel of the existential crisis moving and and really more of the natural process of what actually happened. I mean, the story is, is 100% true. Mm -hmm. um, and and this story actually captures a lot of the the internal processes I have with whatever it is, whether it's an emotion or, you know, this kind of like bigger worldview of myself um, that I, I think I finally was able to capture exactly what happens within me, how I move through that. And anyway, so um, anyway, go on. Well, and I, I just, I love your idea of um, talking about the shape of things because, mm -hmm. so I have a, a former boss who um, was really a great people manager and very, um, just had a lot of insights about human behavior. And one of the things I remember her talking about is this idea of creating a sense of urgency with hmm. people and that sometimes you have managers who do that indiscriminately. Everything that comes across their desk is mm. an emergency or a fire out, and they are constantly creating a sense of tension and emergency and urgency in all of their uh, their team that they oversee. And you know, she talked about the fact that that's not necessarily very helpful. And so when, when hearing you talk about, you know, kind of going back and forth between existential crisis and solution and existential crisis and solution, you know, I was thinking about, yeah, that would definitely create these feelings of like tension and distress and urgency to have the existential crisis kind of evenly interspersed. But here with the shape that you've given it, this sort of funneling, you know, into a solution, there's very much a sense of kind of like resolution and synthesis and then processing further um, that I think is, is really effective because you're not so caught up in this worry about the existential crisis part that you're actually able to then, as the reader, listen to what you, Anna, the writer, are saying and, and kind of take a breath and a pause to like sink into that. Um, but it made me really think about, you know, how we create, like thinking about the reader response as we're writing. And I, maybe that's what that, that idea of the shape of the story kind of gets at. 
is um, what, what kind of experience do you want the reader to have at, at different parts of the story? You know, do you want them to, um, do you want to like hook them at the beginning with something really thrilling and, and maybe kind of um, anxiety inducing and then, you know, kind of gradually work them through to this feeling of contentment or relief or whatever it might be toward the end? Do you want to, you know, when I was writing my story, I wanted to keep the people reading it, you know, mm -hmm. kind of on the edge of their seat, worried about what was going to happen next. But yeah, so that thing, that to me really speaks to that shape of the story in terms of the, the experience that the reader is having, thinking of it as a shape. Yeah, and it, it is, it's so obvious <laughs> to talk about writings and shapes, yet that was the first time in my life that either I actually absorbed what they were saying or heard about the shape of writing. And right there, that could be a whole bloody book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or at least, at least a TED talk. <laughs> Maybe not a TED talk. Um, so obviously this needs to still be heavily edited and like, I would love any, you know, any critical feedback, even if it's not in this, in this for, right now. Um, but uh, if you were to stumble across this blog of a business that, that you, that you're a customer of, like what, like how, how would, how would you sit with that? How, what would you take away from this? Um, I mean, I think it's, I think it's a really noble portrayal of discovering that connection. I think for me, the thing that's left somewhat unanswered mm -hmm. is the connection of this really, again, sort of noble, um, I don't wanna say ephemeral, but kind of like intangible concept Mm -hmm. how is that then connected tangibly to the work done by the company both in terms of its products and mm -hmm. also work on sustainability and that's perfect because I realized like I think part of what I needed to do is is loop it back into the actual company I'm writing for mm -hmm. of why is this our company stance mm -hmm. is that what you're getting at yeah and you know you like you talked about when you were, you know, going through this, this writing process that to you, you've done work in the past and it's always been really important to you to be able to share this idea of each person developing their own connection. Mm -hmm. You've, you've done that in the guise of guide and, and teacher and all of this. Um, and I think, you know, you're, you kind of, you, you do bring that in, you know, toward the end with, if we are to have meaningful conversation for our earth, then it must be in relation with the land and all the inhabitants. But the story as it's written really is your experience. Right. Um, and I think you can pull out some of the threads you already have in there that kind of direct it then toward the reader of, this is what I want to share with you. And I think even speaking um, you know, you've said perhaps you have noticed this as well, but I think you could even use um, some of those techniques of directly addressing the reader yeah. with rhetorical questions, 
um, with statements to the reader saying, you know, and you as the reader, blah, blah, blah. I think that could then um, tie this stuff you're talking about of, um, you know, these really great, lovely ideas of, of developing our own relationship with the environment to something you are asking of the reader. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm writing it down so I don't forget. Yeah. Um, no, I like it. And that's exactly where I, I knew that I still needed to work on after I wrote it was like, okay, this is great. I finally have the crux, mm -hmm. the shape mm -hmm. and how, how do I slam it? You know, how do I you know, bring it home? Mm -hmm. How do I make this relevant to, to not only myself, obviously, but the company and the readers themselves? Yeah. So to pair, to, to sort of replay, replay, <laughs> paraphrase what you said. Um, I, I, I also like the idea of addressing the reader directly. Uh, I don't know why that is. I've, I've, I've done that twice now in, in a different one I was writing. Mm -hmm. And it just seems like so obvious to like draw them in. And I don't know if mm -hmm. that is an actual tactic, but like, it well, just seems like a nice thing. I'm sure you're familiar with the idea of a call to action, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like the way that it's written currently, it's this great kind of encapsulated mm -hmm. thing. And I think you could pretty quickly mm -hmm. and without doing a whole lot, you know, of work to what you've already written, yeah. you, you can add on this call to action where you're addressing the reader, you are creating that connection to your audience. Mm -hmm. You're not just saying, I've had this realization, it's great, and I'm tying it up in a tidy little bow. Right, right, right. No, so now we all, you know, I, I want to share this experience with you. How can I help you? And also, you know, let's think about ways that you as the readers, as the customers and clients, and we as the company can work together to bring this about on a greater scale. Great. And so I think, you know, not necessarily, you don't have to wrap it up nice and neatly at the end. If anything, it's yeah. good to leave it a little bit of, I'm putting the ball in your court, dear reader. Dear, dear reader. <laughs> <laughs> to, yeah, to take those next steps and let's, let's um, step into the next uh you know, or take the first step on the path together toward the next, um, you know, the next goal. Yeah. Well, and I, um, the second, mm -hmm. uh, I also think of this as like, kind of like the, the beginning story of, uh, of my being the face of sustainability. Like this is, Mm -hmm. This is the direction I'm going to move you in. And this is what we're going to do together. And this is just the first step. I'm awakening you to what this is. I love it. Yeah, that's great. I don't know how I'm going to do all that, but that's. <laughs> that's... <laughs> but also, I mean, part of that is, and you can be honest with, with people, I think to some degree, you know, that you don't have all the answers, you know, you are learning alongside your audience and you can learn from each other. So it's not, when you have an audience, I think the wonderful thing, especially about technology today, mm -hmm. you know, for all of social media's foibles, um, the fact that you can get feedback and, you know, commentary and resources and things from the people you're writing to 
means that it's not so much a one-way street anymore. You're not just pontificating about these things that you're an expert on from on high and they're just right. and learning from you. It can be a symbiotic relationship and you can be honest about the fact that you it's a learning process for you um, and you're, again, you're in this together. Right. Well, a question that came up for me for like the audience is like, I would love to have more audience um, interaction Mm-hmm. Because what I do is I, I, I ask questions. Like I, I draw things out of people so that the art of questioning is, is how they go deeper. That's how I go deeper. It's how anyone goes deeper. That's, that's why when you track, you ask questions that are open-ended, that are not yes and no. Um, and I was considering putting this in here of like, what, dear reader... <laughs> awakened you to the plant world like what what was your awakening story and like glean stories from the audience and I don't know if I'm allowed to do that that's but like I think that's wonderful yeah because I I love the idea of it encourages engagement which is always I mean if you're looking at it from purely a business perspective yes page views and clicks and responses and like readership engagement is usually something they're trying to encourage. So I think that's exactly. Yeah. And that's what I want all my like social media posts to be about is, is putting things up there. That's going to cause the audience to question or to provide their own experience or to give, you know, give them room for thought. Mm hmm. And that's, that's my goal. And I, and I'm hoping that like, I'm allowed to do those things, you know, cause I can't just do everything on my own. Like I have to have permission <laughs> because you know, I work for a company, <laughs> but that, that is my, my direction because that's how I teach. That's, that's what I do. Mm-hmm. I'm teaching and like, um, you know, I, I'm wanting to view sustainability in, in the realm of not just data and like more and more, I was listening to some podcast yesterday about climate change right now and how the the youth are stepping up to be like dudes you just screwed over the planet for me now we're gonna have to do all the legwork to make sure that we can survive it and our children can survive it and and a lot of what like the the people um that this podcast i can't i'd have to go back and look and see what it. i think it was a ted radio like a ted thing Mm -hmm. um was the idea of weaving stories and stories is what inspires people. And that is actually exactly the, what I've been given is like, you are sustainability and you're the storyteller. Mm-hmm. That's literally what I've been told. Mm-hmm. I get to weave the stories and that's what I do. <laughs> so, and I think it's do- because it doesn't have to just be your story. I think, you know, you here with this, it makes sense. You're introducing yourself. So you start with your own story and that can be, you know, a common underlying thread for you, but you are also the great thing, you know, obviously again, with the caveat, you have to ask permission, but yes, being able to share other people's stories to your audience is also a superpower of being in the position. Definitely. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, well, thank you. I really needed that. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Next week, Hannah finds herself dealing with writer's block as she tries to finish another scary story. <laughs> this-
This podcast has been another episode of The Pen Is, with your hosts Anna Bradley and Hannah Binder, and technical support provided by Julia Einarsson. Thanks, as always, for spending some time with us as we learn about ourselves as writers and humans. You can find new episodes weekly on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. We love hearing from others about their own experiences with writing. Please feel free to email us at anahannapodcast at gmail.com. Until next week, keep that pen busy.